Good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Good start to our day. God is good. So we uh, are in, a, in the middle of a series called Seven, and uh, the tagline or the descriptor for that series, Seven, is seven fundamental things that every Christian should know. And like I mentioned last week, there's way more than seven fundamental things every Christian should know, but we're going to talk about seven of them. And last week I started a message that is probably going to take three of those seven weeks. So this is week two of that. If you were not here, it's okay because I'm going to uh, summarize some of the things that I talked about and help us get all on the same page so that moving forward we understand uh, what the scriptures say and it'll be helpful to us in the long run. So last week I talked about the makeup of a man or a woman. I talked about the body, the soul, and the spirit. We're really made of three things, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 describes it. This is Paul writing to the church of Thessalonica, and he says in verse 23 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Now look at this. May your whole spirit soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see that? He says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body, may your whole being, you in your entirety, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, are loaded with identifiers to our soul, our spirit, and our body and it's easy to overlook them. So we, we started talking about this last week. But um, you'll see here, I want to just throw a picture up there real quick of what this looks like. So a person really is comprised of three different entities. The body is the outward. I mean, this is what we see. This is what we, we're most familiar with because we look in the mirror, at least some of us do, we look in the mirror and our, we see ourselves, and we're very familiar with the condition of our body. Some of us are happy with it. Some of us are not so happy with it. Some of us like the way we look. Some of us think we need a lot of work, you know? But the reality is you are beautiful for being you. God created you, and uh, he, you know, he looks at you as an amazing part of his creation. So the body is the, the physical part of our being. The body gets its, its feedback from our five senses, our hearing, our seeing, our smelling, our tasting, our touching. And so, so we, we get fed from our five senses. The body interacts with the world with the five senses. And then there is our soul, which is more of our inner person. It's more tied to our emotions, mind, will, emotions. And you could add to it conscience, personality, our soul is, is our inner person. You cannot see your soul. You can see the effects of your soul, right? We, we get emotional. We experience joy, happiness. It's something that we can, we can feel. We can experience joy, happiness, depression, sadness, anger. There's some things tied to our soul, some expressions that come out of our soul. Both of the body and the soul we're really, really pretty good at sensing what's going on there. And I'll talk about that more in the future. Then the third part of our being is our spirit. And our spirit is uh, something that we can't see, but it, it's, it's part of the being that God created 
and he interacts with most. It's, a, it's the part of us that interacts with God. The body is the part of us that interacts with the world. The spirit is the part of us that interacts with God and his spirit. And we'll talk more about that. So uh, I want to really just drive home a point as it relates to our body, soul, and spirit before I move on. And this, this I covered last week. The body, you know, you're, you're very in touch with how you feel. You know right now if it's hot in this place, at least if it's hot for you. You, you may be in pain today for some reason. You're, you're in tune with how you feel. You walked outside, maybe you spent a long time outside before you came in. It's cold outside. You knew it was cold outside, right? We're pretty in touch with our body through the senses, the five senses. We feel what's going on. Our body interacts with the world. Our soul, you can feel in your emotional part of you. You can feel what's going on. Like I said, the happiness, the sadness, the good mood, the bad mood. Bad mood. And the reality is people around you know how you're feeling as well. If you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, people around you know what's going on emotionally for you. You know what I mean? But we are very in tune personally with how we are doing. Now, the soul is like the bridge between the body and the spirit. The soul can interact with the body in a sense like this. I'll just give you a few, an example or two. You know... Um, Maybe you see a tragedy visually. You see a tragedy as it happens. Or you read about one um, on the internet, on social media. You hear it in the news. You, you see something happen. That thing enters through your body, the, eye, the eyes, through our sight, right? But it impacts our soul. It breaks our heart. We see something happen and we're, we're brokenhearted over something. And that's our body and our soul interacting together. Do you see this? And so we could give example after example. Maybe, you know, someone attacks you verbally. And you hear what they're saying. You see with their eyes the anger, the frustration on their faces. So, so your body through your senses, your, your, your five senses is receiving the stimulus that's getting to your heart or to your soul. And as a result, you're hurt from it. They, they said hurtful things to you. They attacked you verbally. Whether they were right or wrong, you, you feel the hurt. Your emotions rise up and you know what's going on in the inside. So something that came from the outside can impact us on the inside. Does this make sense? But our soul also interacts with our spirit. And I'll just give you a couple examples. As you read the Word of God, you may get this revelation that's coming from the Spirit of God into your soul and into your mind, your understanding. It makes sense to you now. Paul writes many times, the mysteries of God. They were mysteries for hundreds, perhaps thousands of years. But all of a sudden, God has made them known. And so God takes this mystery he reveals it through his spirit. And now we have cognitive understanding in our mind because of it. Dreams, visions. They, they're spiritual things that happen that uh, reveal realities or coming realities to us that we understand, that God wants to give revelation and understanding to. 
So our soul is this bridge between our body and our spirit. So now let's just talk about the spirit for a moment. The spirit, like I said before, is the entity or the part of us that primarily interacts with God. God, the Bible says, is spirit. John chapter 4, 24. God is spirit. His worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. That's who he is. Uh, And so uh, God, most of what he does, he does in the spirit realm. He interacts with us on a spiritual plane. Now, again, like last week, we could be cutting hairs and have minor disagreements as as I talk. But I just want want us to see things on a big scope level first. And then we could talk about details um, as we move forward. So he looks at you. As a new creation, when, when you give your life to Jesus, when you surrender your life to Jesus, God looks at you as a new creation. He looks at you as a son or a daughter. He looks at you perfect, holy, righteous, the apple of his eye. That, that, took, that change took place in the spirit realm. Right? I, know so, I know some of us in this place, when God says you're holy, and we look at our lives and we say, oh my goodness, how could I be holy? There, there's a spiritual change that took place Maybe it hasn't manifested itself in our body and our actions. You get what I'm saying? But there's a spiritual thing that took place in our being. And, and the problem in describing and talking about this and understanding this is that related to the spirit, related to the spirit, it, it's the condition of your spirit is harder to grasp for people because it's not feeling-based, It's not feeling-based. You can know how you're feeling physically, hot, cold, in pain. You can know how you're feeling emotionally, your soul person. Good day, bad day. But as it relates to your spirit, there is not the senses. The senses are not tied to that. And so we need to understand how do we get a sense of the reality of what's going on inside of us. The God part of us, the part that's connected to God, the reality through God's eyes. How do we connect to that? How do we understand what is going on there? And so we we can also get in trouble when we confuse spirit and soul. And what happens is we struggle with what the word says. And I'll give you an example. When we confuse spirit and soul, we can struggle with what the word of God says. Here's an example. You cannot always feel that God is with you. You cannot always feel that God is with you. Yet he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. You cannot always feel that you're saved, that you're born again. Right? But the word of God says, if you do this, if you accept the gift that Jesus Christ has given you, you receive that gift of forgiveness. You you ask God to come into your life. And he does it. You, you probably won't feel it. Some people have radical experiences, but most people have no experience as it relates to what's going on in their spirit. I once heard a story, and it actually happened to someone that I know, and I think it's someone in this church, and it's not a bad story, it's a good story. But uh, this husband and wife, they get married, and it's beautiful, and they go on the honeymoon, and the husband says to the wife, the husband says to the wife, you know, I don't feel married. It's interesting. I know, you know, I don't feel married. And she says, honey, you got a ring on your finger. I got a ring on my finger. 
We walk down the aisle and we could set our vows to one another. You are married. I don't care if you feel like you're married or not. And that's what God says to us when we give our lives to God. I don't care if you feel like it or not. You, you get what I'm saying? And when we tie our soul and our spirit together and we're led more by our soul or we confuse the spirit and soul, we tend to struggle with what the word of God says. You, uh, and so that confusion can, can lead us to when we experience trouble, when we go through tough times, we're more focused on the physical. And we, we may, you know, say, for example, something happened in your family. You're, you're foc- very focused on that. But in that moment, you may not feel the presence of God. You may not feel God acting on your behalf. You might not feel that anything's going on for you spiritually. And yet the reality is God is doing something and doing a very deep work for you on your behalf. And so when we confuse these two, we can, walk, we can enter into uh, frustration with God. And it's easy for us to be talked out of spiritual realities. We can rationalize and say, well, I guess I really never did get saved. I'm not feeling it. I guess God really doesn't love me. You know, I I don't feel his love today. I guess God really didn't do what I thought he did because I'm not feeling. And when we tie our feelings to the realities of God, we get in trouble. We start to doubt God, question God. Some people walk away from God because of it. And so we need to be very careful of that. I also shared, and this is the last part um, I will use to summarize last week, a passage from 2 Corinthians 5.17. Very important passage. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. A lot of us have heard that quoted, maybe read it, got excited about it. It's a powerful, powerful verse. But my question is, what exactly is new? What is new when we're in Christ? If any person is in Christ, or anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. So if we look at the body, soul, and spirit, I mean, if you were heavy before you got in Christ, you're probably going to be heavy after you get in Christ. Right? If you were thin as a twig, it probably is the same, same result. You're, physically, you're not going to change because you're in Christ. If you were sick, there's chances are you're going to be sick after you, you give your life to Jesus until he heals you. And so what, what changed physically? How about our soul? You know, say we had a, sa- a, a sailor's, how do they say it? Speak, talk like a sailor. <laughs> he has, Freddie. <laughs> you know, unless we begin to change some things, we're still going to talk like a sailor. You know? If we're angry, the reality is we're probably going to be angry after we're in Christ until we deal with anger. So our body and our soul doesn't necessarily change. So process of elimination is our spirit is made new. And I'll give you a biblical example. In Adam, 
when Adam and Eve, they, they ate of the fruit, Jesus, or God said to them, in the day you'll eat of it, you will surely die, right? What died? They, physically, they walked the earth. They lived many years after they ate of that fruit. They had a soul, mind, will, emotions, conscience, right? I mean, their conscience was evident. They were hiding from God. They had shame. They had a personality, what died? It was the spirit being. It was, the, it was that interaction, that ability to connect with God, that relationship with God. There was something broken there. And Jesus, we know, came to restore that which was broken, that's, that which the enemy stolen from us, right? And so 2 Corinthians 5.17 to me says that our spirit is made new. All things are made new. And so... Uh, we cannot feel or, or discern these changes that have happened in our spirit. And that's why after some of us get saved or born again or give our lives to Jesus, we feel the same way. But the spirit has made new. Now, even afterwards, you're thinking, well, still I'm not different. Well, we're going to talk about that today. Now, we're going to transition into some material that we didn't talk about last week. And in the scriptures... We see Paul specifically identify three ways of living, or three different ways. Um, by the way, I failed to mention, but in the app, the notes for this message are in there, all the scriptures, um, all the points that I make are in there, and you can access them through the app. So Paul talks about three different ways of living. In the book of Romans, and we're going to be in Romans, I think, for the most part, for the rest of this message in the book of Romans, Paul in chapter 7 begins to talk about um, the, the, the person that uh, is struggling with his life under the law of sin and death. You may recall what in Romans, he says things like this. You know what? The things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I do. And he's talking about this war between the members of his body, this, this inner conflict. Like, you know, he, he's afflicted because um, of the struggles that are taking place within him. And he's describing the person who goes through these struggles before they come to Christ. Before they come to Christ. And we're going to pick up in Romans chapter 8 now, in verse 1. Romans chapter 8. Verses 1 and 2, I'll read. It says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful statement right there? You are not condemned if you're in Christ Jesus. The enemy has nothing against you if you're in Christ Jesus. You're not under condemnation. Why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, I want to point out something very specifically. If you have a pen and you have a Bible open, or if you have a device, I want you to highlight, underline, whatever you do. There's two different laws that are being identified here. There's a law of the Spirit. The result of that, life. Who gives life? You see that? And then there is a law of sin and death. Chapter 7, Paul identifies a person who is under the law of sin and death. They have no control. The sin nature leads. The body leads. They have no control 
over how they live their life. And so now he's transitioning to identify these two laws. And so the first law, the law of the Spirit, the second law, actually, let me reverse those. Everyone, before they come to Christ, is under the law of sin and death. That's the starting point for our lives. That's the starting point for our lives. We come to Christ, we are under the law of the Spirit who gives life. That's why Jesus could say, I have come to give life and life to the full. That's the kind of, that's the kind of, that's the way he wants us to live. That's his desire for us is to live a spirit-led life, a life that experiences the fullness of God. And what I want you to know is this. Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death. We're under a new law. We're under the law of the Spirit. Now, what does that mean to us? It's sort of like, it's sort of like gravity. You know, we, we are born under the law of gravity. Thankfully, or we'd be floating around, you know? That'd be weird. We'd have to figure out a solution to that. We're under the law of gravity, which basically says what goes up must come down. You know? If it's up there, it comes down. It's going to come down. That's, that's sort of equated to the law of sin and death. But there's a higher law than gravity. That's why you can fly in an airplane from one place to another. It's called the law of aerodynamics. There's a higher law than gravity. And so aerodynamics, the law of aerodynamics is higher so that you don't have to... It uses gravity... Uh, to accomplish its purpose, but the reality is it can defy gravity as you fly in an airplane, right? You can, you, you can fly uh, from place to place because airplanes are under a different law. There's a higher law, and so in a plane, we can go from one place to another without falling to the ground. Does this make sense? We could go from one place to another. It's a higher law than gravity. The rest of the world is under the law of sin and death. They're grounded. They're, 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 uh, you know, they're under this law that will lead them in the wrong direction in life. But he's saying, Paul is saying, listen, you are under another law, a higher law. It's a better law. It's, it's a law that sin doesn't have to control your life. It's a law that you've been set free from that, uh, that sin nature. We see in Romans chapter 6. So let's jump down to, um, let's jump down to uh, Romans 8, verse 5. We're going to read a few verses here. Verses 5 through 8. And it says this. Those who live according to the flesh. Now let's just keep in mind the, the background that I shared earlier on. Body, soul, spirit. You'll see Paul in Romans talk about the flesh. Just think body, okay? Body. Flesh. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds, which is sort of like our soul is our, our mind, will, and emotion. Okay? Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. He's describing two people. One person has their mind set on what the flesh desires. Another person has their mind set on what the Spirit desires, okay? Two people. 
Verse 6 goes on to say, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. And what we see here is a description of three different kinds of people. There's, there's a natural man or a person who's led by the flesh or a person whose mind is fixed on the flesh to satisfy that flesh. And then there's this spiritual man, spiritual person, a person whose mind is set on the spirit, led by the spirit, filled with the spirit. Okay? A natural, I'm just, for lack of better words, natural man, spiritual man. We're all part of mankind, so don't get offended if you're a woman. Okay? All right. Natural man, spiritual man. I'm going to talk about these two, and then there's a third that Paul identifies. So the natural man, back to spirit, soul, body. The natural man, this is the person apart from Christ. They haven't been changed. Their spirit has not been renewed. They're natural. Their, their mind and their heart and their actions are set on the flesh. Does this make sense? Am I losing anybody? I can re-explain things. Okay, so the spirit in this person is dead because of sin. Think Adam, right? The spirit in this person is dead because of sin. You are dead in your transgressions and sins. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2. You are dead in your transgressions and sins. The person uh, of the natural man, dead because of sin, alive in body, like Adam and Eve. And their soul is consumed with the thoughts and the actions and the memories related to satisfying the flesh. Okay, that's the, that's the natural person. Their spirit is dead. They're separated from God spiritually. Um, the soul is filled with all these thoughts and passions that, uh, that satisfy the flesh. There is nothing happening in this person's spirit because they are dead in sin. And I need you to track with me. This is going to be really good. It's going to make total sense to you. The spiritual person, the spiritual man, back to, uh, back to body, soul, and spirit. The spiritual man, that's the person who was once a natural man who got saved, right? They got saved. What happened when they, when they got saved, when they gave, they gave their life to Jesus Christ? Everything reverses. The body that was alive becomes dead because they're crucified with Christ. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The, the, the body which was dead becomes, excuse me, which was alive becomes dead in a spiritual person. The spirit which was dead has been made alive. The spirit which was dead, think Adam again. Jesus Christ came and reversed the curse of Adam And now we're alive in Christ. We've been made alive in him. This is the spiritual person. The mind or the soul, the the thinking, the emotions that was filled with things from the past is being transformed. Romans 12, 2 says, renew your mind. We, We step into Christ and we begin to renew our mind, our way of thinking, our way of living. It's being renewed. And so when you're, when you're a spiritual person, you're in the process of having your mind renewed. And the one key way to do that is be in the Word of God. Be in the Word of God. When our mind is being renewed, it's, 
uh, it is being changed to help us to think like God thinks, to see like God sees, to understand and comprehend the things of God that a natural man cannot understand. Does this make sense? Okay, so, so the spiritual person is totally changed, and, and the renewing process takes place. I wrote it this way, changed in spirit, being changed in mind, and shall be changed in body. That's what happens when a person becomes born again. All right. You want to be in this category. <laughs> we all want to be in this category. We want to be in the category of the spiritual person. We want to be led by the Spirit. And so uh, as this person, the spiritual man, as his mind is renewed, his spirit begins to lead or influence his mind, which ultimately affects that person's actions. Okay, so our mind is being renewed, and, and because of that, we're submitted to the Spirit's promptings, leadings, influences in our lives, and we're starting to think like God, and we start to live like God. Okay? So when our mind is renewed, our spirit begins to lead our mind. Everything that comes to mind, I don't have to do anymore. Everything that comes into our mind, we don't have to do anymore. It used to be everything that comes to mind, our flesh acted out. Right? Oh, I want to do that. I want to take that. I want to say that to somebody. Oh, I want to give her a piece of my mind. Why? Because it came to our mind and we acted it out. Most times we did. We just, we just did what we felt like doing. But now things come to mind, but our spirit reaches out and leads or influences our mind, which ultimately influences our body, our actions, our flesh. Okay? So things still come to mind, but the spirit influences the mind. Now, our mind continually has to be changed. Our, continue, our mind continually has to be renewed by the Spirit of God through the Word of God. It can no longer be ruled by the flesh. And so our mind, when we, when we become born again, is, is ruled or filled with memories. It's filled with uh, uh, history. It's filled with, with things that used to be there as a result of our flesh reigning. As a result of our flesh leading our lives, our, our mind needs to be renewed. But at the moment we give our lives to Jesus, our mind is still stuck in thinking old patterns many times. If we were angry, we're still angry. You know, if we struggle with forgiveness, we still struggle with forgiveness. Right? If we're a thief, liar, whatever, there, there's still a history there in our mind that's where our mind needs to be renewed. I'm hoping I'm not losing anybody. But we, we need to track this. This is this truth. These truths are going to change our lives. Just stick with me. And so I must deal with memories, problems, traumas, relationships, addictions, all of the past. I must deal with the thought life that's in our mind, in my mind, in order to continue to live in this, as a spiritual person. Right? I must deal with, with that way of thinking. And let me tell you, the devil will distract you from letting this word, the word of God, dwell in your hearts richly. The Bible says, let this, let this word dwell in your hearts richly. 
Because it'll renew your mind. It'll change you. It'll cause you to think like God and see like God and become like God. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we can be God. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying model a lifestyle that is surrendered completely to God. Okay? And so we we must let this word dwell in our hearts richly. And the enemy will do anything to distract us. He'll make you busy. You know? The phone will start ringing. You're, you know, you're trying to read your word. People are texting you. Social media notifications are popping up. You get up late. You know, you're frustrated. Whatever, whatever can happen in your life, it's going to happen to keep you from being changed and having your mind renewed by God. And we just need to know how to overcome those distractions because the word of God will save you or uh, change your memories. It'll change the scars and the abuses that you've, you've had in the past so they don't have to rule your life, the neglects you've experienced. And I love, I love what, what, Joseph, what Joseph in the Old Testament, what happened with Joseph after he went into Egypt, led the way, became second in command. This guy God used mightily through dreams, the gift of dreams. And he was in a foreign land and he was like the vice president of that nation under Pharaoh. And he had, been, he had gone through a mess of stuff, uh, sold into slavery by his brothers, um, all kinds of stuff, thrown into prison even though he was innocent, accused of trying to rape his boss's wife, and all this mess. Totally innocent man. And he says, as he names his son Manasseh, the Lord has caused me to forget is, that is just so powerful. That's always been so powerful to me that the Lord can do something in our mind. Maybe he didn't forget what happened, but he forgot the pain or uh, he no longer allowed that pain to rule his life. You understand what I'm saying? We no longer have to allow the experiences of the past to rule our future, right? We've all been through messes, but our future is still ahead of us. And either we could be dictated by the past, the future could be dictated by our past, or our future could be dictated by the freedom that Christ gives through the spirit of life. Amen? And so when thoughts are dominated by what the word says, you are spiritually minded. When your thoughts are dominated by the word of God and what it says, you're a spiritually minded person. Now, if if he stopped there, it'd be very clear for us to land there and say, well, obviously, we want to be a spiritually minded person, which we could land there and say that. But a lot of us fall in between the natural man and the spiritual man. And Paul identifies one other person, which I'll call the carnal man or the carnal person, the person who sort of toys around with the flesh, the person who's halfway in and halfway out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, this is what he says. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit. You see, so I I can't call you a spiritual person, but as people who are still worldly. Now, he called them brothers and sisters. Do you see this? I mean, they're Christians. He's writing to the church of Corinth. They're Christians. I couldn't address you that way um, because you're still worldly. You're mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food. For you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. And so these people are are sort of caught in the middle. Now back to the whole body, soul, spirit. 
in the natural man, the body's alive, the soul's alive, the spirit's dead, and the spiritual man, uh, the body is dead, crucified. I've been crucified with Christ. The soul's alive. The spirit is alive. The natural man, all three areas are alive in some way, shape, or form. Satisfying the deeds of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the spirit has been, been made alive by Christ. But we're, our actions have never been changed. And so we're sort of caught in the middle. And I would venture to say boldly that many of us in this room fall into this category. No condemnation in Christ Jesus. But many of us in this room struggle with the tension between the two. And I want to give you an example. Can I have Brandon and Judah come up? Judah, can you come on up, buddy? I'll give you an example of this to sort of drive home this point. So the the spirit has been recreated, but... Uh, we haven't fully crucified the flesh. We're sort of being led by the flesh. You could stand right up here. So, so um, there's this tension. The mind is still like being pulled in two different directions. So actually, let you get on the, you get on the other side. You're going to face me. You get on in between, and you're going to face me. All right. So just, just follow with me. This is going to be good. This is going to be good. <laughs> so um, you're going to represent, represent the soul or the mind, right? And... You are going to represent the spirit, okay? So I want you to put your hands on his shoulder. And so there's this tension, right? This is the soul on the body or the flesh. This is the spirit. The spirit's changed, right? And the spirit has these influences that he wants to lead the mind in or the soul in, right? The, the, the spirit is supposed to be leading the soul. And I want you to see this tension, this conflict, Okay, so the spirit is leading the soul, which is, you know, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't think that way. You shouldn't talk to them that way. You shouldn't take that. You shouldn't touch that. You shouldn't go out with them, right? And then the flesh is over here, and the flesh is like, man, you got to tell her what you're thinking right now. You know, you should give her a piece of your mind. Forgive? How could you ever forgive what she did? And so there's this tension, right? I want you to see this tension. How could you, you know, you know what? You need to go, you need to fight for yourself. You need to stand up for yourself. You need to tell them that they're, you know, that they're wrong. That, and, and by the way, did you ever hear, did you hear what's going on in this person's life and this person's life? I can't stand that person anyway, you know? And there's this tension going on. And you got to pull back and forth. And so the soul is being this, in this conflict, this struggle between the, the body and the spirit. This is what... This is what carnal people experience. Thank you, guys. And let me tell you something. The end result, if you're in this place today as a Christian and you're miserable, you're frustrated, you're conflicted, the reality is that's probably in some way, shape, or form a picture of your life, what's going on on the inside. There's this inner struggle, this inner war going on. There's this fight. And the thing that stinks about it is this. You don't fully experience the Christian life. You don't fully experience the benefits of Christianity, um, you know, because you're in the midst of compromise in your life. And you don't fully experience the benefits of sin because the Holy Spirit is living in you. And so you're over there trying to do your stuff And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's like saying, hey, buddy, what are you doing? You know, there's this inner conflict, this struggle. And let me just say something. This is a good point and a good note. If you are conflicted when you step out of 
the will of God, that's a good thing. That says that God has done something good in your life because he's living inside of you. If you fully enjoy the benefits of sin with no, no guilty conscience, no, uh, you know, no uh, worry at all, you know, uh, no, no concern at all, I would be afraid. I would be afraid. And so I need to, I need to uh, land this. But we cannot serve two masters. We need to choose this day who we are going to serve. We need to choose who we're going to serve. You can't enjoy the benefits of sin. You can't enjoy the, the benefits of Christianity because you're stuck somewhere in the middle. The carnal man, you know, you should be eating meat and, and uh, solid foods, but you're still on milk. You're still a baby because you haven't chose to grow into the mature person that God has created you to be. You're stuck somewhere, and it stinks to be stuck. It stinks to be stuck. I have a few final thoughts, and then I'm going to close. So a carnal Christian is a born-again Christian. They're not in the flesh, but they still have the flesh in them. And I want to say this, and you're not going to like this, but sin, the kind of sins that I just talked about, maybe someone thinks of stealing sexual issues, pornography, uh, drug addiction, alcoholism. That's just one aspect of carnal Christianity. That's just, that's just one part of it. And if you read Paul's stuff, you know, there, there's things in there like if you, have, if you are dominated by worry, you're carnal. Because you're living or being influenced or led by the flesh as opposed to led by the spirit. If, you, uh, you know, if you're unforgiving, you're carnal. If you're angry, you're carnal. And so there's all these fearful, jealous. See, carnal Christianity can creep in on anyone. That's why we need to continue to renew our minds. We need to be the kind of people that continue to renew our minds. And so I want to just close with a few thoughts and give you an opportunity today to deal with this carnal stuff. Because it's not fun living you know, walking the line. It's not fun. It's not joyous. We're not experiencing those great benefits, these great and precious promises that God has made to us. And when people get stuck there, a lot of times they'll fight, fight, fight for a while, continue in the faith, but eventually it's like, it's no, I'm miserable. It's no use. It's no use to continue down this path. And so either they make a decision to go all out for Jesus Christ or they walk away from the faith. And I understand the whole idea of temptations and and all that stuff, which I want to get into. But listen, we cannot see or feel what's going on in our spirits. Carnal facts consistently win over spiritual truth. And so you'll continue to go further and further away from God if you're, if you're playing that game, the middle of the road game. And so here's, here's what I want to do today. I want to give us an opportunity to get right with God. You know, the beautiful part about God is that he gives us a fresh start. He gives us an opportunity for a fresh start. He wants us to deal with our stuff. He doesn't want us to walk around conflicted you know, I mean, if only if people could know really what the struggle is on, is on the inside of us, 
You know, because we're half in, half out, and God's doing stuff. We're excited about it, but we still enjoy this stuff over here. And our mind, our spirit, there's this like wrestling match in between. And God says, I want you to just go all in. Listen, I want you to just say, listen, I am committed to you. I will help you work through your stuff. And even as you're walking as a spiritual person, that doesn't mean that you don't struggle in an area that you're trying to work through. He's He's not saying that perfection today and never sin again is the only answer. That's not reality, is it? But as we continue to work and say, you know what, my, my, you know what? I, I know that temptation, but I am not going to give in to that. I, I know that struggle. I know what I want to say. I know, you know, I know I'm called to love, but I want to just punch you in the face right now. You, you know what I mean? I mean, is, can we be real for a minute? I know what the word of God says, but I know what we feel sometimes. And the spiritual man begins to be dominated and, and uh, overcome that fle- those fleshly desires by what the word of God says, who we are, how we're to act, how we're to live, how we're to honor God, how we're to obey him. That's what we're going after. Would you stand to your feet? Today is a great day to get a fresh start with God. Today is a great day to say, you know what, God, I recognize some mess in me. And, you know, I've accepted it. I've just let that, that mess live itself out in my actions. But, you know, what? I recognize today that I don't have to let that live itself out anymore. And so if you're here today and you say, you know what, I, I want to I fresh start. I want to, I first of all, admit, you know, I've got some carnality in me that I want to deal with. And I want to confess it to you. If that's you in this place, would you just raise your hand? Let's, in agreement, there's probably going to be tons of people in this place. If they're honest, if they're not honest, you can keep your hand down. That's okay. <laughs> but seriously, listen, we, we've, we need God in our lives. The more we think we can do this on our own, the more in trouble we are. I'm serious. We need the Spirit of God leading us. We need the presence of God in our lives influencing us. Uh, and we need the Word of God being revealed to us daily, regularly, so that we could be changed to become more like him. And so in your own place right there, I want to just take a minute. You're not going to speak out loud. Just be between you and God. Just begin to you know, identify some of the areas that you say, you know, God, I need help in. I, I want to tell you, even as you're doing that, a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now, I went to a service on a Friday night, and there was a guest speaker there, and the woman had us kneel down. I'm not going to have you kneel down, but she had us kneel down and begin to talk to God about uh, a struggle that we're working to overcome. And I'm telling you, I am totally different from that point, from that day. God has changed me. My heart is different. My desires are different. My passions are different. And he could do that in you. You could leave this place different because God is beginning to work on the inside. So, Father, today, we come before you, Lord. We recognize our our need for you. We recognize, God, that, Father, we've drifted. It's easy. It's so easy to drift from where we're supposed to be. We've ignored your spirits leading in our lives. We've done what we've wanted to do. And Father, we want to just we want to ask for a correction today in our inner being, our spirit, soul and body. An adjustment today. A heavenly chiropractic adjustment. Lord, would you do some work in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits, God? Will you change us, God? Make us new. God, help us to overcome the struggles we're facing today. God, give us strength to say no. Give us strength to turn. Give us strength to trust your word, to believe what you say about ourselves. 
And Lord, I pray that you do a deep work, Father, that doesn't end when I say amen, God, but continues, Father, continue to speak to us, continue to move in our hearts. We bless you today, God. We declare that you're so good. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for your love, your great love towards us. Make us more like you. We can't do it on our own. And so I bless your people today. Father, I just speak your blessing, the heavenly blessing. Lord, the smile from heaven upon your your people today. May they know you. May they say, God, I want more of you in my life. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. We love you as always. We'll have people here that would love to pray for you. Have a great day.